This is a Founding Media podcast. Hey guys, welcome to Apple A Day Doc Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Ram Dean, and I have a really cool guest today. His name is Dr. Samuel Sneed. Hey, Sne- hey Sam, how are you Thanks doing today? Doing well. Thanks Thank for you. coming. So uh, Dr. Samuel Sneed is a native Texan and studied biology while attending the University of Texas at Austin. He then continued his education at Parker College of um, Chiropractic. In addition to earning his doctorate of chiropractic in 2008, he also received a Bachelor of Science in both human anatomy and health and wellness, and he specializes in the evaluation and treatment of athletes in regards to both pain and injury prevention. And his extensive experience, including taking care of professionals, is really impressive with the NFL, NHL, MLB, and PGA Tour. So really, really valuable resource. We're really lucky to have him today. Uh, And Dr. Sneed is the owner of Next Level Chiropractic and Rehab in Austin, Texas, uh, where we are right now. Next Level is a different uh, kind of clinic. They offer a multidisciplinary approach, including chiropractic care, physical therapy, small group personal training, and massage therapy. Their purpose is to help you achieve your goals. And some seek uh, his help for pain relief. Others want him to help them out with mobility or performance and uh, maybe both. They specialize in movement-based evaluation and treatment systems to help you reach your goals in the most timely, cost-effective way possible. I've been to the facility. It's amazing. It's a very nice mix of, you know, that that common pain, uh, that that patient with pain coming to help out with uh, suggestions all the way up to the professional athlete with um, basically a mini gym in there. Yeah, yeah. So you can watch how they're performing. Yeah, we can um, do everything from hot disc, low back injury to my knee only hurts when I'm squatting 350. (laughs) So we got a full rack in there, and um, we have a very broad spectrum from 8-year-olds to... You know, eighty-five-year-olds that come in on a regular basis. So it's really impressive. I hope uh, anyone in Austin that's looking for a chiropractor checks it out. It's a really impressive facility. And the reason uh, Dr. Sneed is here today is because we're going to talk about dry needling and cupping. Mm-hmm. This is very popular right now, and wanted to have someone who's very well versed at it come and talk. So sure, again, sure. thanks a lot, Sam. And what are why do people do this? Why is it applicable? And are there any specific conditions that patients have that would benefit from this? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, the the two therapies are very different, uh-huh. obviously. Yeah. Oh, it, let's say let's start with um, one that I don't use as often, but can right. hit home runs, mm-hmm. and I like it for certain reasons. Is mm-hmm. cupping mm-hmm. that you've seen with? I know a lot of patients started asking about when Michael Phelps had the big suction marks on his shoulders yes. when he's winning all the gold medals, and um, it's something that I found uh, when it is useful. I really like it because I can set somebody up. I can teach them how to do it mm-hmm. within a few minutes, oh, wow. and they can order a set on Amazon for usually less than $20. Wow. And then um, it gives them some good self-efficacy, right? So if I can, I'm trying to eliminate all the times that you would need to come in to see me. I'm always going to be busy if I'm doing a good job. So I don't need my patients coming in when they can take care of it at home. 
I love that. Yep. So conditions for cupping would be really anything superficially based. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe neuropathic pain or, or pain that's coming from irritation of nerves, whether it be compression or some stagnation, maybe some poor venous flow around a nerve that can sensitize it. <clears throat> the cups right. can be very useful. Um as a chiropractor, of course, a lot of thing that we see is low back injuries, right? Right, right. Discogenic pain. We've shared a client yes. with that. Yes. Um, kind of the proposed mechanism of the result of a disc injury is oftentimes losing segmental stability, right? So you do mm-hmm. something typically flexion under load, we'd say. Like people come in all the time. They're like, I, I felt something pop when I was deadlifting right. today, right? And right. then they come in and they're very flexion intolerant. They've pain that's worse in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. They might have some sciatica, pain that's going down their leg. Um, we, we put them through a battery of exams, orthopedic exams. We're checking reflexes and dermatomes and myotomes. And we get to the point where we're ready to make the diagnosis, right? You look right. like you have a disc injury. Right. right. We know that discs typically do not like to flex, right? We're avoiding any flexion in the mm-hmm. low back. And, and one very popular therapy is what are called McKinsey extensions, right? Where you'd be laying on your stomach and doing prone press-ups. Okay. okay. So repeated extension of the lumbar mm-hmm. spine can, in people that it helps, it can really help. It doesn't mm-hmm. help everybody, mm-hmm. obviously. But mm-hmm. what happens is a lot of people, when they lose segmental stability, mm-hmm. um, those erectors in the low back will tighten down. And when they tighten down, they can grab that cluneal nerve as it exits out of T12 and goes down the lumbar spine and that mm-hmm. kind of like upper hip bones, like iliac yeah. crest area, right? Yeah. So then you put somebody in some prone press-ups and they can't do it. They're like, oh, that hurts. Yep. But you yeah. can do some cupping on their low back because that nerve is very superficial, mm-hmm. desensitizes them, and now they can do prone press-ups. And so they now they can bang out a set of prone press-ups. They stand back up and like, oh, that's so much better. And this speaks to me on a personal level too, <clears throat> Sam, because I had a couple herniated discs a few years ago, and it, it are those extension-type exercises that save you. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so you're going to be taking care of me soon sure. because I have a few things like that and yeah, you know, yeah, pronation yeah. distortion, flat arches, things yeah, like yeah. that. And so that's what I love about you is you really take – you're not just treating the one thing. It seems like a very functional place to be. Yeah, that's the aim. Yeah. The aim is to get people back to training, mm-hmm. right? We don't want you to get great at rehab. We don't want you to have to do prone press-ups your whole life. We don't want you to feel like your back goes out. Right. And then we have to put it back in, whatever that means, right? So we're we're if we're doing a good job, we're, you know, making ourselves obsolete and educating you. So low back... <clears throat> Just a couple of nerve entrapments in the upper mm-hmm. extremity. You know, people mm-hmm. that get, um, it used to be called cubital, it's cubital tunnel, like that ulnar nerve, your funny bone. Right, right. Now I've heard it called like, uh, I think there was like sleeper's elbow because some people sleep <laughs> yep. like that with their elbow bent really acutely, right? So that uh, kind of ulnar nerve compression, uh, some people call it texture elbow yep. now. But man, some cupping or cupping with movement mm-hmm. right in that medial intramuscular septum, kind of inside of your arm. Um that can be really beneficial, easy to do at home. We do a ton of it up here at Herbs Point, which is like mm-hmm. that posterior SCM, the side of your neck, right? Yep. yep. That's a, kind of the um, superficial branches of your cervical plexus. There's four nerves that come out of there. And there's a lot of people that have had chiropractic adjustments, physical mm-hmm. therapy, massage, 
you name it, and you can sometimes get laughably good results <laughs> just by doing a little bit of skin tugging in here with some kind of provocative movements to desensitize. Right at the sternocleidomastoid, right, right, right there, under the, the jaw. Line, right, yeah. and it's actually had a, I actually had a new patient today with it, of really? course. Really? So we'll do some other therapies there. I did some needling, yeah. right, to detone the SCM, but um, and he actually had had a pretty significant uh, surgery. They removed 52 uh, lymph nodes because oh, of wow. cancer. And wow. then he had uh, some some cancer on his tonsils that they found a couple oh, no. weeks later. So he's yeah. had a lot going on and a lot of therapy, but I think we made some serious headwind today. So basically you're just trying to decrease the tonicity of tight muscles. Let's say, yeah, surgery. I'd say more, well, that'd be more needling, needling probably yeah. versus, you know, cupping, acting to, to lift the skin or create some decompression maybe at the for nerves that's typically how i'd use that more superficial areas and got it maybe neuropathic pain that's not traditionally like people describe it not necessarily ridiculous i have a l5 disc herniation mm -hmm. neuropathic mm -hmm. pain but um more like a, a superficial cutaneous nerve right and and so the reasons for dry needling yeah in general what why do we do that? Why Man, do we do that? Dry needling, uh, of all those, I do a lot of other therapies that yeah. we're not going to talk about today, but dry needling is by far, in my opinion, biggest bang for your buck, home run hitter, really objective movement changer. <laughs> just, you just, there's a lot of applications for mm -hmm. it. Um, rapid decreases in muscle tone. Right, with objective change. So somebody comes in, they try to lift their arm up and they can get to 140 degrees and they have a pinch. Yep. Right. And they they'll tell you they've had that for weeks or sometimes months, right? And you can needle and sometimes in as little as thirty seconds recheck wow. and they might have full flexion of their shoulder. Wow. With no pinch. That that mechanism of um when you hit a trigger point. Uh, kind of it's like hitting a breaker switch in the muscle, hmm. right? So it resets the tone, and it can be. It, it's so effective that oftentimes it's diagnostic, right? So if I if I think something is going on, if I think your hip isn't internally rotating because of your TFL or your mm -hmm. adductor mm -hmm. or maybe your rec fem, mm -hmm. uh, I could I can needle it and then just recheck it. Wow. And if I, okay. if I see a change, that would imply that that'd be a good spot for us to load you up on some homework so you don't have to come get needled all the time. But it can be so effective. If it doesn't change, I'm thinking, well, this probably doesn't need a whole lot more work versus a lot of other therapies that you need repeated bouts to see if this thing is going to work, right? Like if things will, a lot of things make people feel better right? without without seeing nice change. So what you're doing <laughs> is not just helping them with symptom relief. This is a key diagnostic tool for the way you approach these issues. Yeah, for sure. I mean, symptom relief is ultimately why people come. Right. right. But um, if my job was just chasing symptoms around, I joke all the time that you'd be <laughs> using me like a big expensive bottle of Advil, right? <laughs> right we we right. need to get to the, the cause of the problem, right? right? So I would say on a typical client, I might do... 10 or 15% of what they want me to do. And then I sneak in the other, you know, 85, 90% <laughs> nice. of what I know I need to do. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they'll just be back, be back, be back for the same. It, it seems really like your goal, which is why I like what you're doing, Sam, is is you're trying to 
empower your patients with the conceptual knowledge that they need to be able to do things at home for, for cheap. You know, you're not looking to have them come back for step two, then come back for step three. Yeah, we'd like, right. right. We want to squelch the pain for sure. That's why they're there most of the time. And then, yeah, I mean, I think if you have my job, you want to see people get better. You know, and if you teach everyone how to best take care of themselves, they're going to trust you. They send more people to you. They like you better. They're more likely to come back the next time something else hurts. And there's, of course, going to be people that are tough that do require lots of care Mm -hmm. anyway. So there's, it's good to hit the home runs when you can. And then sometimes you got to dig in and. That's that's what I love about work. you is and, and is my philosophy as well is just arm the patient with the conceptual knowledge so that they can plug in you know whatever they need to do within their lifestyle they don't have to come in and fit their square life into your round peg hole right you know? right so, and then one thing I wanted to talk to you about was the dry needling when when patients hear that or people in general their mind goes straight to acupuncture yeah yeah what's the difference. Now, sometimes the the difference is best explained with the similarity, uh-huh. which is it's yeah. you use an acupuncture needle, <laughs> right. and that's that's about it, right? So, <laughs> I've gone through some basic acupuncture certifications to here in Texas as a chiropractor, um, hmm. so that I can then go get trained in dry needling. Um, also, you know, I don't want to get my head chewed off by an acupuncturist, but <laughs> essentially. Uh, and I still refer to acupuncturists. Sure, it's just, sure, yeah. um, I'm not trying to manipulate any chi, right? If you're coming to me to get your your chi balanced, take you're, my chi somewhere else. You're in you're in okay. trouble, big trouble, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> so that's be basically what is that realignment of the chi? That's yeah, the whole the, goal of acupuncture. Uh, essentially, right? Your okay. chi is kind of more or less your life force energy. Mm-hmm. Um, the the chi is believed to travel in meridians, mm-hmm. highways. That's the kind of the highway system sure. for the chi. So, and there's it goes way, of course, way, way, way deeper. There's experts that talk about the stagnation of chi and all these. It goes very deep in this. Uh, but for the most part, right? I'm not. I'm doing a more of like a Western exam, typically a movement-based exam, orthopedic right. exam. So, whereas um, in a traditional Chinese medicine, um, the needle placement is not only to manipulate your chi or balance mm-hmm. your chi. Mm-hmm. But the the diagnostic might be feeling your pulse, got it, or looking yeah. at your tongue, or some practitioners hearing your symptoms, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, versus mine would be checking your shoulder internal rotation, taking you through a series of a battery of tests, looking at your thoracic extension, et cetera. To to so basically, <laughs> you're using the dry needling as an extension of your core foundational chiropractic. Yeah. Approach. Right. Like it just you, helps augment what yeah, you're already right. doing. Right. Have you used a hammer before? Uh, yes. Yeah. Are you a contractor? I have not. No. A so it's like, I use a needle, but I'm not an acupuncturist, right? right? So it's just a, it's one of many tools. It just happens to be a very powerful tool. Right. In the way that we, uh, really, the way that we use it. Really helpful. And, and, um, yes, we had another mutual patient that, uh, does it and swears by it. You know, these are really intense athletes like Ironman competitors. And so, again, if you if you're thinking about doing this, just check out Sam's website. Um, I wanted to ask to. This is a common question I get. Well, I heard about dry needling, but does it hurt? Or the cupping? Does that hurt? Do you? Yeah, you know what? Some people do say the cupping hurts. Okay. I think that those. I'll give them the benefit of them <laughs> having just being very sensitive because of their pain. Yep. At mm-hmm. that moment. 
or everyone has a different pain threshold and tolerance. But right. I would I would have to say cupping does not hurt. Okay. It can. You know, if you're doing some cupping with some movement, you don't have enough lotion down. You're dragging that cup around. You have you have the opportunity to to make some discomfort happen. Mm-hmm. But compared to a lot of other popular effective manual techniques, I would say cupping is should be pretty comfortable. Pretty painless. Um. Yeah, it of course depends how long you leave the cup on, you know, yep. um, how much movement you're doing with it, or if you're doing movement. How long are you supposed to leave the cup on? Does it matter? Does it depend on the condition that yeah, you're 100%, in the location? Yeah, okay. for sure. I mean, depending on somebody's tissue health, right? Mm-hmm. So I have not seen the research on this yet, but I understand that there's supposed to be some coming out that talks about how cupping challenges the microcirculatory system locally. So that cup gets on there, it creates a vacuum. Blood rushes into that spot. Oh wow! When you remove the cup, the blood should be able to come out. Okay. If it does not, you get a big fat bruise, right? Right. So the idea being, and I have noticed this anecdotally mm-hmm. in my practice, is if if a, let's say you leave a cup on, you you stick it on there, and you do seven pumps, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's kind of like a standard amount of vacuum mm-hmm. on there, and then you leave it for five minutes, and that patient might turn purple, mm. right? And I have an assist like. I have an assistant that's watching so that we can avoid purple back syndrome, right? But right. let's say let's say they they turn really red or or even purple in some instances, you could um, continue with weekly treatment and maybe by their eighth, sixth to tenth treatment they don't turn purple. Mm-hmm. Or the bruise that used to last three or four days it now just turns into like a red spot that's gone in a couple hours. So it depends a lot upon the skin, their vascularity, maybe even their their protein status if they have hypoproteinemia and they're prone to extravasating fluids out into their extracellular space. You're just using somebody. big words now. So, right. Why is he doing this? <laughs> you probably don't want to leave it on super long with <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 50 pumps. You know. Oh, right. Yeah. It's it's the first couple of times you're seeing somebody, you're just doing your, it's an educated guess, right? Yeah. Their, their general health and well-being, hydration status. Some people are clearly just ill. You run into yeah. it all the time, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, on a, on a young, robust twenty-year-old male oh. who's got a, a more acute flare-up for the first time, yeah. it's yeah. it's going to be different than treating somebody who's sixty and has had three failed back surgeries and yeah. is forty pounds overweight. Right? You're going to make a clinical decision based on. So basically, the answer is it depends. In my yeah. in my world, that's yeah, that's my deep, yeah. It's, it's very nuanced. That's, yeah. Yes. All right, and then so the needling. Does, Does that, that hurt? hurt? Yeah. I always joke with my new patients. They'll be like, oh, is this going to hurt? I'm like, oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. This is going <laughs> to really be horrible. Right? <laughs> it's not always. It, again, depends, right? So uh, depending on really if they have a lot of neuropathic pain, let's right. say somebody has some hot sciatica, you know, pain is flowing down their leg, mm-hmm. like, and you, and you think they maybe have a little um, peripheral involvement, right? Maybe that sciatic nerve is compressed a little bit in their glute. The, Treating that side is, without a doubt, going to be more uncomfortable than somebody that just has like a little loss of hip flexion. Oh, okay. You know, so yeah. it, it, the condition can drive it, and of course, again, some people are innately. I I'm I'm not tough by any stretch. <laughs> I do well with getting needled. Okay. It, it didn't bother me. I was all excited when I learned it because I got <laughs> you know I got treated at the seminar. And I'm like, oh man, I'm, this is this is killer, and it's not uncomfortable. And then I came back and started doing it, and people were like. Oh, my God. Yeah, and it seems like it's got so many um, just diagnostic advantages for you, too. Yeah, it's like a cheat code. 
Yeah, it works real good. So I will say, in some people, yeah, some mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of clients be like, man, that's weird, right? Because when that <laughs> when you hit a, a trigger point inside of a muscle, a little yeah. height tight hyper contracted area, the mm-hmm. muscle will twitch. They call it a local twitch response. Okay. And when that happens, it's an involuntary muscle contraction. Mm-hmm. So it's super weird. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, oh, that's really weird. Other people act like I, I treated my sister, came over with some knee pain last night. She pulled the brother card, came over. Uh, nice. I'm treating her knee, and she sounded like I was pulling her fingernails out. <laughs> you know, whether well, that's family, whatever. She's usually pretty tough, but it, great, it greatly depends. And there's more comfortable ways to do it, right? Mm-hmm. You can, mm-hmm. there's, we have little handheld muscle stim units where we can go and find the trigger point, leave it in, and then hook it up to kind of a literally a handheld unit where we'll put one needle, um, leave the needle in and maybe have somebody hold a grounding pole and then run a little bit of electricity through it. So it's like a rhythmic kind of twitch. Okay. A lot of people find it be more comfortable. Um, So on the whole, my default is, of course, it hurts. It's weird. It's foreign. But most people within usually three-ish visits find it to be much more comfortable. They're already seeing good results. They don't get as sore afterwards. So you kind of ask them to hang in there oh, for a couple yeah. of these then, sessions. And, and before then by you then they're it. like, oh, can you just needle this spot and this spot and this spot? And I <laughs> yeah. think it just if you just did this one. That's where you listen uh, to the 15% of what they're asking, right? <laughs> so, yeah, sure, exactly. I'll do 15% of that. Exactly. So um, I, I guess it depends. But, yeah, yeah I think default, um, the default is I think usually it would be fair to say that dry needling can be uncomfortable. Okay. But worth it. And this. and. I was going to ask this next, how long you expect to see results? You said about three sessions for the dry needling? or Man, it can that? be – it. Uh, the three-session thing is probably more in relation to um, – Just pain. Pain and, okay. and recovery mm-hmm. and when they start to be like, oh, this isn't so bad. Um, I would say results can be immediate. Okay. Right? I'm, I'm definitely looking for immediate objective change each visit. Uh, so objective just being did did I table test somebody? I check their 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 back hurts. I think it's because of a lack of hip extension. I check mm-hmm. their hip extension. I treat something. I recheck it. Did it get better? That's what I'm talking wow. about. Objective, right? If I I'd like to see that change intra visit. Wow. Um, okay. If I. Um, if I don't, then maybe I'm on the wrong spot or maybe it'll take a few, right? Yeah, but yeah. Uh, it's it's very rare that we don't see some nice objective. And then, of course, subjectively, a lot of people will get relief also mm-hmm. in the visit. Sometimes so, in the beginning, replaced by some soreness, right? So if you're looking to try this, you'll know by the end of that first visit if, if this is for me. Yeah, yeah. I would say buckle up for your practitioner. Give them right. a few shots, right? Mm-hmm. Because, of course... <laughs> if you're going for the true cause of somebody's pain, and let's say let's say they do have, they're going their IT bands bothering them mm-hmm. or their knee, their quad, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. your practitioner's needling your quad, yeah. right? But in a lot of those cases, you'll find hip weakness or ankle immobility, and that's what's driving the bus of the knee pain, right? And that's not right. going to go away in one visit. Somebody's a weak hip; they're not leaving with a strong hip, right? So if you're getting just pure symptomatic relief short term yeah it could happen in that visit if you anybody that's suffering from any real (laughs) disorder pain underlying cause i mean it's probably gonna it's i mean it's fair to say it could take a take a couple weeks (laughs) and some (laughs) hip strength right so hang in there don't start feeling better symptomatically and say i'm I'm done try a plan right (laughs) like 
people come in and they they've like, oh, I've seen you know eight eight different practitioners, yeah. and I'm yeah. like, what? Once you saw eight what? people once, <laughs> like maybe one of those guys could have helped really you before. Yeah. It was like it was like an hour. Maybe none of them would have known, but at least give it a try. Yeah. And then same thing with the cupping. How long? Do they typically go before seeing advantages? I mean, if if we're doing it for the kind of uh, superficial neuropathic type pain, we'd like sure. to see that change in the in the visit, right? If you're doing it because you're challenging the microcirculatory system and you just want to see if that makes a difference for your chronic upper trap tightness, yes, yes, um, then yeah, I would say depending on the bruising and if the the trust of your practitioner and all that, if it's if they're ethical, I mean, it could it could take some time, yeah, right. But yeah. usually, the way we use it, we're just let's see if this thing works and then let's recheck it, which I think is right. a vastly superior way to get all manual therapy in the overwhelming majority of the cases, right? And, and just practicing in general, it's nice to have some objective benchmark that you can keep referring to, like a lab test or like you said, maneuvering yeah. that you can bounce yourself off of and say, okay, this is working. Let's do more of it. It's not, you know, it's just Yeah, otherwise, right, right. You're a very exactly. scientific guy. Yeah, so. you don't want to, <laughs> I don't want you coming in because I tell you that it feels tight to me. Right, right. I want to empower you and be like, no, look, it's normal. You got a full toe touch, right? All these objective measures, just like you're talking about with lab work, yes. are just key. Yeah, key. you have to have some foundational Something that you that you hold close, where you can keep referring to it and yeah, see objectively is this working or not. A hundred percent. And then um, I lately, you know, in the last year or so, I've been seeing more and more gym goers walking around with all these, you know, cupping marks on mm-hmm. on their backs. Mm-hmm. And so, tell me about bruising. Is there any bruising that other than those conditions that we talked about that cupping and dry needling? Um, yeah, cause. I mean, anytime I always joke because there's like some of those big tough guys, you know, <laughs> I'll warn them look, yeah. if a needle touches a, a vessel, the vessel is going to break and you're going to get a bruise. Right. Right. That's normal. And these big tough guys will be like, dude, I don't bruise. <laughs> My I, vessels I, I don't bleed. I don't Sorry. bruise. I'm like, no, no, you will. You're going like, <laughs> to. So, yeah, it, it, usually needle bruises, I always joke, like my clients will be like, is this from you? I'm like, if it's a perfect circle, yeah, yeah it's from yeah. me, right? Yeah. If it looks like not it from me, then it's probably from you bumping into something. Yeah. But, um, right. but it's funny is those needles are so small, the overwhelming majority of time, you don't bruise at all. Right. If somebody does bleed from a needle, it's overwhelmingly less than one drop. Yeah. Like if they have it on their arm, it's not going to even, that drop won't even run down the arm. Mm -hmm. It'll just sit there and you take a cotton ball and boop and it's, and it's over. Right. So So that's sanguinating from from one of these. I do have a very, I don't know if we have time, but a very funny story. I was, (laughs) I was needling, I was needling this lady's leg. It was her hamstring. And, um, I hit a spot, one drop of blood comes out and I'm like, oh, we got a bleeder. Right. And then right then, I needed to bolster her leg up. I wanted right. to bend her knee. So my assistant was walking by, and I go, Alex, grab me a towel. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> She's like, oh, oh, no. Am I bleeding that much? I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> sure, probably put some words in between. Yeah. You're but, bleeding and yes, give me a towel. That's, that's been a good story for a couple yeah. of years now. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's minimal. The bruises can last for sure, just sure. depending on what you hit. But. Um, interestingly, I don't know if we want to be this graphic, but uh, typically when you take a needle, you're looking for what we call a bony backdrop. So yeah. if you're needling the mm-hmm. glute medius, mm-hmm. you're all the way down to the iliac crest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's say you might be, which is one huge advantage to a needle is you can actually reach with a needle where you can't touch with your hand. Right. Right. Like it would take a silverback gorilla 
to get down to your hip bone wow. from your glute, right? So, and that's kind of a little bit how I found it. I, there's a really famous physical therapist that was uh-huh. talking about there's some places you just can't reach your hand. And I had made a living helping people with low back and knee pain by working on their hips. And I would leave every day whipped. Like mm-hmm. lower the table, yeah. dig my hands in, mm-hmm. grab the muscle, mm-hmm. lengthen out under tension, do that all day. And um, and then I I saw this this little uh, vlog I guess with a yeah. guy, and I was like, well, I'll try it and see if it helps some people. And yeah. it's it's just amazing the result you can get when you do treat the structure that you're aiming at. Wow. You also yeah. you also have incredible tactile sense with a needle, right? Mm-hmm. So that needle is so thin. Mm-hmm. That let's say you stick it in somebody's glute, or uh, you can oftentimes find old tears. People, like people will forget to tell me. Oh, I'll wow. be needling an, an athlete's quad, and I'm like, "Oh, this needle is not cutting through like a hot knife through butter. There's a bunch of drag right there, and mm. the needle has a hard time getting it or pulling out." And then you can um, maybe do a few visits where you put a small army of needles in that yeah. area. Yeah. And then maybe after, you know, let's say six or eight visits, that needle will start to slide like a hot knife through butter again. Really? So, it, it can, so that's tonicity. That's not scarring. Well, no, that would be scarring, scarring, right? That that would be without a doubt, right? They're like, oh, yeah. I mean, you can sometimes outline an old tear with a needle by sticking. Wow. Like I'll had, uh, I had a lady a couple of years ago that came in who had had a calf tear. They opted not to do surgery. And she had been 18 months of physical therapy with a bunch of neuropathy still on her foot. She's got that posterior tibial nerve was getting compressed in her calf. Mm -hmm. Couldn't stand at work, couldn't ride a bicycle. And I was one of the first visit I started a needler and I found like exactly like little racquetball sized, dense, fibrous needle having a hard time going in, coming out. And her husband had driven her. I called him back to the office and I was like, hey, check it out. I put one needle right in the middle of that scar. And where the tear was, and then I put one needle, I don't know, a quarter inch away, and I had him pull the needles out uh-huh. to show him. Uh-huh. And that one needle slid right out, and the other one he's tugging, and the skin's gripped onto oh, it. Wow. And I'm like, yeah. just so you know, this is, this is not a tone thing. This yeah. is a tissue, like a true, some scarring, mm-hmm. fibrosis that's mm-hmm. potentially compressing that nerve and causing this distal wow. numbness, tingling, paresthesia, pain, right? So in a case like that, that's obviously going to require a lot more treatments than somebody that just is a a simple strain or, um, you know, they have a tendency to have tight traps. Now, let me ask you the same. If you didn't have that skill and you weren't using the needles with your other, you know, modes of diagnose, diagnostic maneuver, yeah. would you have been able to find that on exam? No, no, no. no. I mean, so. with you can you can only palpate so deep, right? Yeah. So and the, the deeper you press, the less sensitive you are, so tactile like sense. So if you're in somebody's hip, mm-hmm. for instance, three inches in, you're not going to feel So it seems things. like a really critical piece that can you've extended be. to your you yeah, know, it can traditional be, training. Yeah, it can be yeah. absolutely critical. Oftentimes, yeah. if you get a good exam done and you stick with your treatment, I mean, there's plenty of people I helped for seven years before holding a needle. Right. But yeah. there are times where there's for sure things that would just be missed. Practically speaking, though, like that poor lady you were talking about went almost two years not being able to ride a bike, walk properly the 18 months. And, oh, right. And right. just... just be able to turn that around on, you know, within a visit or two. Yeah, like well, I saw her several, but yeah. yeah. But uh, I did see her many, many times. But um, the, her calf, happy to report, is 
you cannot find the tear anymore. Wow. And she actually just came in, I think, three weeks ago, and uh, she's it's she hasn't had any pain. She just now comes in. She's like, hey, I was hoping you'd just take a Amazing. look. I'm like, you're good. She's doing boot camp. She's cycling. Oh, wow. She's now retired. So she's working out and doing all the stuff. That's amazing that's a that's a great story and talking about training you know going back to the fitness part of things if you have someone that just had a cupping procedure or dry mm-hmm. needling do you tell them to hey, hold off from going to the gym for an hour or something is there a time frame absolutely you, not no? no i mean if you if you're worried about they have some instability mm-hmm. or you think they're going to endanger themselves or they got a disc and you don't want them to flex right but no i mean the soreness from treatment it oftentimes is helped by some movement so okay. oftentimes we'll encourage and then let's say you take somebody that's had poor access to shoulder flexion and mm-hmm. then you treat them and now they can flex their shoulder well, let's go ahead and use it so you're not renting it right we want you to now go out and do some strengthening, take it through its full range so that you can, you're can. you much more likely to hang on to your result than if you just say, let's go back to my computer job and then lay down on my side at night. So movement, and that's why in our office we have the gym and right. why in a typical visit you get your soft tissue work and then you go out to my exercise rehab specialist who follows up with your home care right there, right? Wow. So um, we can try to... Um, so that avoid explains, any snafus like that. <laughs> that explains all the cupping marks at the gym then. Yes. <laughs> Got it. And then uh, the other question I get is, um, will I get sore from either of these treatments? Yeah, I wouldn't say from cupping. I mean, you might have some local tenderness. If you, hey, doc, if I push on it, it's a little sore in my skin. Dry kneeling for sure the first time can last, you know, typically about a day. Okay. Um, but depending on the severity, and the certain muscles are more sore, typically like calves are are typically more sore than other areas. Right. Right, but right. your health status, your hydration, how old you are, chronicity, all those things go into it. So through my experience now, I, I have a much better job of guessing at how sore I'm going to make somebody than sure. as a young buck trying to, you know. <laughs> so I, w- I would say you can, without a doubt, expect some soreness the first few times for about a day. By by your fourth or fifth visit, it hopefully would be more like an hour or two. It's funny because you mentioned calves. We had a mutual patient that came in to see me the other day that I was palpating the calves as part of an exam. She's like, I just had dry needling done, so now I have a little more sympathy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, and you mentioned teaching your patients cupping and doing it at home. Talk about the safety of doing that at home. Yeah, I mean, I think just err on the side of caution, right? So we typically, at that point, we've developed a a specific thing that we want them to do. We don't want to leave the cups on for too long, right? Um, That's really the main danger to cupping is just too long, nasty bruise, and you don't want to cup over a bruise. So if you're still purple in that spot, don't throw a cup back on it, move the cup over a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's... It's typically pretty stinking safe, and when I'm using it, I'm doing it more like, let's stick that cup on here, maybe we move it around, add some neck movement, and then it might be just a couple minutes at a time. Okay. So we're not even expecting yep. a big, fat bruise anyway. So it's uh, the way that we use it, um, very safe to do at home. Great. And if they're doing it on their back, let's say, you know, in a hard-to-reach place, can you still do that yourself? Or do I mean, if you could it? reach it, there's little cups now that are, you know, some are, you know, suction, some are glass. we got to use alcohol and fire. That's the sex appeal, right? <laughs> yeah. It makes no difference. I don't even find them to be as effective myself. But there's a pump one, and then yeah. there's some now that are really cool that are um, kind of like a silicone 
that you can take the like you can squish it to get the air out of it and then you place it and then oh yeah grips yeah, yeah, the vacuum yeah. and then those are more moldable so they can go over surface irregularities like if a scar is puckered down on your wrist uh-huh. a little uh-huh. bony area where a traditional cup would have a zero chance yeah these little suckers will like you know and they come in all different sizes from small to big and you can you can get creative and you know and, and football is really big here in Texas tell tell us about what how you use this, the dry cupping and needling for the football players, what what type of care do they typically uh, need? Um, you know, a lot of my, like, NFL guys, I'm yeah. doing a ton of needling on. Okay. Through the so, season, you know, you're if you're a linebacker in the league, by week 10, you have a whole list of old orthopedic injuries. You've had your labrum done. You've had your an ACL surgery, you've had a stinger in week six, you know, you sprained your elbow tackling some guy in week eight. Like, so it's yeah. a lot of a lot of soft tissue work. And then the sheer size of the guys, right. the needles are so superior, right? They're right. already getting tons of manual. They're all, they all have their own massage therapist that right. comes to their house with a massage room set up. Right, right. It's not a, it's, there's not a shortage of massage <laughs> and hands-on therapy. Right. So I'm usually playing bad guy doing longer sessions and looking at you know joint health and just sacrificing their soreness in the short term for their career in the long term amazing well sam thank you for everything that you do and taking helping me take care of my patients and um i'm definitely going to keep telling them more about cupping and needling and where to find it and yeah man tell me uh how if someone's interested in this how what's the best way for them to reach out to you Oh, um, probably you just Google my practice name, Next Level Chiropractic and Rehab. It's www.nextleveldr.com. And then we have our... We have our info down on there. Perfect. That's and we'll the put everything in the description for everybody. And um, again, I just want to really thank Dr. Sam Sneed for coming in, and hopefully we get to come. you get to come back in and talk more to us. Love to. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and uh, I'd like to thank Founding Media for hosting us. Thank you guys again for tuning in. We'll see you next time. The Apple A Day Doc Talk podcast team includes me, Dr. Ram Dean, producer Mariah Gossett, and audio engineer Jake Wallace. Thank you to everyone at Founding Media for your support. The Apple A Day Doc Talk is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Instagram at RamDeanMD, spelled R-A-M-D-E-E-N-M-D, or check out the link to my YouTube channel and website in the show notes. Thanks for listening.